what you'll find in the so in the authoritarian, which is a militant style, um, there's a rigidity, there's a sense of I have to do everything right. So it does fall onto their self-esteem because there's a fear of not doing it right. So their value of themselves starts to become challenged. They might feel ashamed. They might feel too afraid. So they may not take risks um, or they might go into the opposite direction and become authoritarian themselves, be more bullying, kind of more pushing and really fighting against it. So you can see that happen on either side. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development, showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Licensed therapist turned coach, Britta Ninas, and I discuss parenting styles, social media, and their effects on future generations. We also touch on self-awareness and the ego. Some serious bombs are dropped in this episode, so you're in for a treat. A little cool fact about Britta is she offers programs for women who are labeled as too much, too sensitive, and simply not good enough. She focuses on mastering the art of connecting in relationships while feeling the freedom to be yourself. Links to contact Britta are in the show notes below. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me and, you know, have this true, genuine discussion. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. It's a topic I love. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And many of us need, we need help. We need guidance to understand how do we, how do we parent and parenting today is challenging with so many other Uh, things that are going on in the world and in social media. So thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm, I'm just going to tell you, like when I see, I'm not a parent, so I'm given the different, you know, perspective on this, but I, I do, I did notice when I was like 19 and a bunch of older women were telling me things and I didn't listen. Um, They were right. So (laughs) When I learned really early on that I just need to listen to the advice of others because it's most of the times d- done through very common made mistakes. And I'm honestly, I'm just so excited to talk about the different parenting styles for one and like just in guidance to hope that I will be an amazing parent in the future, you know, to help bring upon, you know, just good humans into this world. So yeah, like yeah. what are... What are, are there four parenting styles? Yeah, there's four. I, I, I break it down to basically three, you know, mm-hmm. um, to really kind of simplify it. Um, and so you have more of the militant style and then you have the permissive style. So those are two ends of the spectrum where the militant is do what, you, do what I say. I know what's best for you and just kind of uh, has a lot more strict rules, some rigidity in the family structure um, to just kind of do what you're told and don't question. So it's more of that authoritarian militant approach. Um, Then the permissive style, it would be the other end of that spectrum where you have a parent who's a lot more lax, who kind of gives freedom for the child to sort of make their own decisions, to have a lot more freedom to kind of decide what they feel is best for them. So there's a more of a pulling back and sort of allowing the child to kind of evolve into who they believe they want to be. 
And so I want to preface this with the fact that these aren't necessarily bad or good. They're both valuable and then they both have downsides. So what we find is the authoritative, which is the center, that's the middle. That's a better, more balanced approach where sometimes kids, uh, they don't do well if they have too much freedom because they don't know what they don't know. And part of our job is to help them actually navigate the world and we know what's gonna happen, they don't. So we wanna give them some guidance and structure, not total freedom. But on the other side of that, we don't want to crush their spirit to explore and fail. And in the militant style, that will actually kind of crush it and then it'll cause them to go into fear of taking risks because they wanna always follow the rules. And so sometimes we have to find that middle ground to help them have some sense of guidance, but then some sense of autonomy to figure it out as they kind of learn who they are into the world. And so that the, the goal for us as parents is to teach them and to prepare them for adulthood. And uh, so a balanced approach is usually the most um, effective and healthy. Oh yeah, there's 40s to 70s was definitely very militant. Yeah. And then I yeah. feel like the, the kids from that tended to be more lax, I guess, because now we've got, we've got us, we've got the millennials and the gen, um, Xers. Gen Z, Gen X, all, gen, yeah, exactly. yes, all yeah. of us listen. Cause yeah. I mean, we got no attention span. What we did was we overcorrected, you know, from that militant style, right. which was what we tend to do. We overcorrected and went into the highly permissive and gave a lot more power and control to children making their own decisions, which is too much, actually too much and too overwhelming for kids when they're not equipped. So then we get aloof, we kind of don't know, you know, we're not as grounded and that's the result of that. And what would you say, like what is another result of someone that is like, let's say 25, that has had a parent that didn't really give those guidelines are, and I look at those guidelines, honestly, as standards. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you want is you want to give some, there are universal laws in our society. You know, the universal laws are that we um, have, we need to stay healthy, you know, as a society. Um, we want to be able to have jobs and economic security. So as a society, and then we also want to, you know, have a sense of caring for one another. Those are universal laws. And so those are things that are kind of the guidelines, those structural foundational ideas. And then from there, we have the individual ability to kind of determine how do I fit within that structure? So when we create that home and then we let the kids kind of move in and out of it, then they know exactly, you know, where those universal, you know, um, commonalities are. Um, so when you have a child who's given far too much free reign and too much freedom, um, they may not be quite as in tune to those universal commonalities. And so they can feel a little bit lost in some of the needs to be aware of others and what that means as far as taking care of themselves and also being uh, aware that of the impact that they might have on other people. So that's where uh, going a little too far onto the permissive side can be challenging. But what's important to, to know that personality style also plays into this though. So if you have a kid who um, tends to be a little more aware and a little more in tune to things, a permissive style might be really okay for that child. 
But if you have another child who's not quite as in tune to some of those universal concepts, then they're going to actually feel lost, you know, or they might bulldoze or they might just kind of not recognize and it might be a little bit awkward as they kind of get out in the world to get jobs and connections and try to figure out how to, you know, create a life for themselves at 25. Mentioning the connection and I was watching, I watched, I listened to motivational videos every morning and this morning um, I was listening to something from Sam Selleck and he was talking about how social media is destroying us. And he was talking about the parallel of people that could remember what life was like before social. And now we've, we've got generations of people coming up that don't know the difference and how we need to limit the amount of time because it's becoming an addiction. Um, and with children, we really need to make sure that we limit that because, and also I feel like with COVID happening in the isolation that we've all been under now recently, some of the future concerns that I have bringing children into this is, will they actually make those genuine connections? Because there's those soft skills that children are not learning. That's so important. You you know, you're touching on something that's a really important topic. I just actually did a live yesterday on this topic of social media. Um, We are losing two of the most important pieces in communication, and that is body language and tone of voice and and voice and inflection. 93% of communication is body language and voice. So when we're texting, when we're, you know, writing emails and communicating in this way, we're only using 7% and that's the words, the rest we have to guess because we don't have enough to go on. So I can't tell, was that person kind of mad or were they actually you know, excited or what, what were they feeling? What were they thinking? So what we do is we read it in our assumption of what it was, not necessarily in what the other person meant to do. So that connection is not created. So what we're doing is we're creating disconnect and they are also causing us to have an inability to know how to socially connect when the other two are a part of it face-to-face or even on the phone. A lot of the younger generation, you know, I've even talked with some people and I'll say, oh yeah, you know, they'll give you a call. And um, this was a young millennial. And I said, you know, I talked to someone, I'm going to, you know, reach out to them and then think they're going to give you a call. And she goes, oh, well, we just text. And so she kind of stopped for a moment because it was like, it made her think, what's a phone call? You know, and not that she doesn't know what a phone call is, but it's not as far as, you know, strong in her thinking. And so I said, oh, I'm sure she'll reach out to you through email or through, you know, messenger or something like all these social media avenues. And that is where I see a problem because um, the breakdown, you know, there's so much miscommunication because there's a lot of assumptions and things that are being made that are wrong. And so then we get into a lot of fights or arguments or hostility or, you know, disconnects and things like that. So it's hurting relationships in that way. And that is something that we have seen a lot over 2020 because people have been so isolated. It's yeah. it's accelerated to me what is going to happen in this world. Yeah. As far as a lot of our lives are starting to become online. A good mm-hmm. portion of our lives is going to be online. And now, aside from just having the ego and the soul, we have our online persona, per, persona now that we have to uphold as well, because it's already hard enough to deal with the ego and the soul. And I know this might be like, really, I hope people are following me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love ego. I love this conversation because it's so true. 
But now we've got that third dynamic to, to add into that. And the lack of communication, the lack of rapport building and, and actually, and I see it when I go to the grocery store that people don't even have the natural common courtesies anymore. And it's, it's honestly very concerning. And I, that's one of the things that I, I want to equip my future children, like to know how to use these things because they're going to have to, mm-hmm. but to realize that there's a so much bigger world in real life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the social cues, um, I'm finding a lot of the younger generation is um, not as good at determining the social cues because some of those skills haven't been highly developed because Mm -hmm. of being so social media centric, you know? And so we had, those are actual skills that have to be developed. So we want to see the good of social media for what it is, but also recognize the downside that we need connection to one another to learn how to interact. And you mentioned COVID, even with the masks on our faces, that's already cutting into a connection opportunity because I can't read your facial expression now. So it creates psychologically a sense of, hmm, is this person safe? I wonder, you know, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? And so we're so we're much more guarded because of these things that are happening and the two together are creating them. And then we have the media telling us basically to be afraid of people. Exactly. So now we're afraid of people. They have on masks right. and we, we can't even pick up the phone and call people nowadays. And people are so isolated. Like, we are isolated. That's isolation is so bad right now. Even if they're around and, people. Yes. Because they, we're actually looking at people like they're dangerous because I might get sick and you can't see the enemy mm-hmm. of this virus. So there's a sense of guardedness mm-hmm. and we are um, actually getting we're really struggling because we need connection to one another. It's our very survival. And that's definitely being, um, you know, challenged right now. Oh, yes. And I'm like, having been on social media for so long, everything, you start to judge people so much faster. Well, that's so fat. You're hitting on something really important because when we only have 7% of the information to, to see what it is that I'm you know, trying to figure out, we will automatically go into judgment. So that tendency is going higher. And the problem we're running into is the judgments we're making are usually not correct because we're not getting enough information, but we commit to believing what we think and then we're in trouble. Listen, I'm telling you, I got a whole story made up in 10 <laughs> seconds. Like <laughs> it happens so much. When I work with people, I have to step back and say, well, what are some other ways this could have been interpreted? So we have to actually develop the skill of looking beyond my immediate thought and say, well, what's some other thoughts that could really be happening here? Exactly. And I, and I think the fact that like, I'm at least acknowledging that this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We're not connecting the same. We are more isolated due to the current conditions. And now it's like automatically judging people. Because the first time you you see somebody, like you see a comment, you'll look at that person's profile. You scroll through and you see all of these things that you can come up with them, about them. And then we start to do that in person. And we don't even realize it, but that is part of our new bias that we have built because we've spent a year now trying to identify people this way. Now they're, you know, great for the people that are not online. Mm -hmm. I I really, I think that's absolutely awesome. 
that people that cannot be online, but I can't, I can't do that. Mm-mm. It's not it's that the I, way we communicate and connect now. It's part of our, you know, fabric and it's, we have to accept it, but recognize that there are some challenges with it and be very aware of that so that we take that into consideration. You know, cause I, there's social media is great. I love it. You know, it's ways to get all kinds of information out there. It's ways that we can connect with families and see what's going on. I know more about some of the things that are going on with my family than I would be otherwise, you know? So that's the beauty of it, but we need to recognize the downside too. I absolutely agree. Like, I think it's, it can be very beneficial. Like my, I only follow motivational people. I don't go online to get stressed out. So I really don't have all the same problems. Like, and I go in and I, and I've really decreased my time. Um, And it's more so like, if I can notice like the little habits in myself, I know that other people are dealing with it too. And I see so many people get so mad throughout the day. And I know that affects and carries into, to their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, So beside all of the social media stuff, I'm off my, my, my pitch for that back to other types of parenting styles. So if you've got the authoritative, uh, right. The authoritative is the middle ground. You've got authoritarian, which is militant. So yeah, authoritative is balanced. What is it like for a 25 year old that comes from a parent like that authoritative mm-hmm. okay because yeah we talked about permissive mm-hmm. um, authoritative is a balanced approach um, and the interesting thing is you know these are this these ideas are really on a spectrum you know high authority and down to the authoritative which is essentially and then down to the other end of the spectrum is permissive so there's a range of how authoritarian you might be or permissive you might be depending on the child, but you wanna try to keep it in balance. Some kids need a little stronger hand because they might be um, strong, you know, um, rebellion type personalities and they fight back. And the beauty of those kids is those will be our leaders if we guide it properly because they're the ones that aren't willing, they're willing to step out and question and say, wait, what about this? But challenging, the challenge of parenting a style like that is to help guide them to use it properly. So you may need to be a little more militant with them, but still give some permission to kind of allow them to figure out who they are. Whereas with a child who is not quite as um, maybe risk-taking and you know questioning things, you might actually want to help encourage them to develop some of that by being a little more permissive. So the authoritative is the balance of the two and knowing your child is gonna be really big and knowing where you would fall in that spectrum. Yeah, and I mean, I, I had a conversation with a with another parent and you know, we talked about actually allowing your kids to voice their opinions And that's something that is not always done. People, you know, especially in the more militant style. um, It's, and then a lot of, there's a lot of communities in households that I feel like that are still like that, that are still pretty, they're more so on the militant spectrum. And that's one thing that lacks from them so much. And you can see it in, I feel like in the self-esteem of their children more than anything and like are that are based on the personality or if their kids 
are like one of the people that like goes against them. They're really rebellious. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more extremes with them. What do you, what does the expert say? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Um, you know, everything of course can, you know, um, not fall into necessarily a, it's a generalization. Sometimes this yeah. may not be true, but most of the time, what you'll find in the so in the authoritarian, which is the militant style, um, there's a rigidity. There's a sense of I have to do everything right. So it does fall onto their self-esteem because there's a fear of not doing it right. So their value of themselves starts to become challenged. They might feel ashamed. They might feel too afraid. So they may not take risks. Um, or they might go into the opposite direction and become authoritarian themselves, be more bullying, kind of more pushing and really fighting against it. So you can see that happen on either side. That's why with the balanced, you can kind of feel, you know, sometimes being strong and out there and kind of, you know, fighting against the grain to push for an issue is important. And it's also just as important to sometimes let things be, take a breath, see how things go and sort of flow with it. And so that's the balance of the two. So either extreme is really going to be challenging for people. I think a big part of the problem is um, being afraid to take risks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a fear um, because the militant creates a fear, and so that's what we don't want. We want we want our kids to be motivated by their own sense of what do they feel is right for them and what makes sense, not coming from fear. And that's where a lot of that will play into that. Yeah, that um, I I just think about the people who I personally know that fit into these characteristics, <laughs> like. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Because I don't, you know, I don't want to be too judgmental. Um, Well, we all do. We all kind of know who fits where, but we also kind of see it within ourselves. It's like, oh yeah, that happened to me, you know? Yep. It's it's very common to do that. I was so lucky. Like my parents were very like, listen to what I said, but they had standards and guidelines for me to, I would love to have a similar parenting style to my parents in all honesty. Like, and I say that because my sister, my brother, and I all turned out to be decent people. So to have <laughs> well, all you probably kids, will be the same because you'll do what you learn. <laughs> I, I just look at some other people and their kids, they're just crazy. And I'm just like, oh man, like yeah. we yeah, weren't perfect. Well, like we've all gotten in trouble and stuff like that, like and made mistakes. But you know. We're, we're, we work, we contribute. We're not, we're assets, not liabilities type yeah. of situations, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, you touched on a really good point though. Um, how we handle our kids' mistakes is a, is a significant, it's significant because in the militant style, there's not a lot of room for mistakes. And so if it's, if it's really challenged or shamed or, you know, there's a problem then it tends to lead to perfectionistic patterns as adulthood. And so that is an overwhelming kind of approach because it feels like I can never be good enough, you know, and to this, to that, that's where it goes into a lot of the work that I do with women um, because we will come out of that fearful of doing anything wrong and making mistakes, you know, or not being able to be making a mistake and mistakes are actually incredible learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. The more failures and mistakes we make, the more we learn. So we have to allow our kids to actually fail or we are crippling them in adulthood. 
It's about learning how to deal with the failures and the mistakes. Oh yeah, definitely. So what would you say to help the person that is like your, is like your client basically, mm-hmm. you know, from a specific parenting style, how, what are some of your go-tos to help them overcome that? Like perfectionism. Cause like, that's real. Most, a lot of people deal with perfectionism and no matter what their parenting style was like that, yep. I deal with that. And I think it's just part of my personality type, mm-hmm. but I, and I know a lot of other people that do too. So I'm, I'm just interested now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfection is a tough one because we do have so much uh, judging and shaming that's going on as a society. And of course, now that we're out there in social media, not it wasn't just my family or my friends that are seeing it. It feels like the whole world sees me now. So there's even a higher level of risk. It's a perception of risk because it feels like everybody can see me now, you know? So I have to put on this persona to make sure that I'm accepted because we are social beings and we need to feel accepted by one another. So when you're talking with a parent who's having trouble with a child or there's perfectionistic patterns, you know, my first thing would be is to really help the parent identify how they are also in that perfectionistic pattern because we learn from our parents very often, those are the patterns we learn. So I would start with them and have them take a look at their own you know, tendencies and then help them work through that so that they can learn to feel um, a level of letting go and surrendering to things and letting things be and take a breath and see how things go and learn to be comfortable in the unknown because perfection doesn't like anything that's unknown because mm-hmm. we want to control it. So it comes out the way we want it to be. And the beauty is when we allow things to kind of unfold and see, there's a beauty in that because it actually shows us something we would not have seen otherwise. So I kind of work with them to find that balance, that authoritative balance between giving guidelines and structure but allow and see, let's see how this plays out. It's like watching a movie. Let's see what happens. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in either way it goes, it, we got to do something different. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's all so, about balance. You have, to, you have to keep trying different things until you, you, you make it work. And you mm-hmm. know, it, it's really, you know, about what really works best for you. But I think those are, those were really, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Everything I do is about creating balance because as a, you know, we are all in a state of balance or trying to be in a state of balance. And anytime we're out of balance, we know it, we know it in our bodies. We know it in our communities. We can tell there's an imbalance in our relationships. So my approach is to see where are we out of balance and how can we move it to balance? That's, that's really all it is. So you've got to start where you are. And then find, how can we find the balance in whatever this is? Yeah. You always got to meet people where they're at. I love that. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, I love that you've mentioned this too, because I've noticed another side note, I've noticed the necessary, like how much I've needed to meditate more. I've, I've, it's been wanting something that I've wanted to implement more, but now it's like just literally getting in the vibrational zone. And I'm getting to do it so much faster now, just of like- It's a skill and practice. Accepting the sounds that are around me and just letting them go by, letting the thoughts just go by, like, 
you know, see what pops up, see what I want to catch on, let, let it go, you know, like that, you know, just that type of stuff in the moment allows you to realize that this is all we have. The moment is all we have. The, the Exactly. This is yeah. all we have. We yeah. cannot live our life in the past. We can't continue to think about what other people will think of us. And that's, and I feel like that's almost even harder because I feel like that's another layer to perfectionism is, you know, just the levels of airs that we feel like we have to put on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like meditation, I didn't realize it, it helped so much with this for me specifically, but it does like just taking that moment to realize and appreciate the specific moment I have and realizing that this is all that matters at this time. And Absolutely. I don't have to do anything for anybody else or this is, I just have to breathe. That is such a rewarding feeling. It truly is. And that is actually creating the balance that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from really the perspective that mental illness or challenges that we're having or any kind of um, depression, anxiety, and all the struggles, suffering is because we're not in the present. What we are is in the illusion. Mm-hmm. We're in the illusion of the past or the illusion of the future. And what we're doing is we're creating a story or a fantasy about it. And we're living there, which causes us to disconnect from ourselves and so if I'm not connected with myself, then I can't connect with others in relationship. Yeah. Because everything is about relationship. But when we're in the present moment and we're settled and we're connected, then I can go out and meet another human being and have an interaction that's in that present moment. There's nothing more powerful than bearing witness to another person in a moment. And that's really what we're looking for to do and to stay. Are we there all the time? No. And do we go in and out? It's natural but to recognize the beauty of being in that state of presence. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I work a lot with brain science and I work a lot with meditation and a lot in that area because it is all about gratitude, love, presence, you know, all of that. Yeah. It is so fundamental. Like, and I'm, I was joking around with a friend the other day, just talking to her about something like, she wanted to get over. I was like, okay, what's the worst case scenario, you know? And, um, oh, that I'll get depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And what do you do when you get depressed? How do you get yourself out of it? So we started think, talking about that stuff. I was like, okay, well, I, I give you a week and a half. Why do I only get a week and a half? I said, you know, if you could just commit to doing it for 11 days, then it would be gone. But the pe- the fact of the matter is people can't do the stuff that they need to consistently. Mm, it's a habit. It is, it is, it is totally. It's, it's a, ha- we're in the habit of not doing it consistently. And that's the mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause we're in the highs and lows and yeah. we live in the highs until we get exhausted. And then we go into the lows because of course my system has to balance. That's all that is. And you don't. And then when I get have. the rest. And then I go right back up to the high again. That's the way we're living. And that is out of balance and in illusion. Yeah, definitely. And it's exhausting. And so we're kind of used to that. And that seems like the new norm. We used to ask people, you know, how are you doing? People would say fine. Well, now how are you doing? Oh, busy. Because busy is the new fine. So the, the, and that's actually rewarded. 
So we want to say that because that's a pleasant thing and people like it that you're so busy and there's nothing wrong with getting things done. I'm a mover and shaker. You are, I get that, but we can't live in busy and that's what we're doing. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I, you know what, on the side note of busy, I do feel like it has just accelerated so fast. Like after all these people are getting to talk about like, this slowing down thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yep. <gasps> you know, yeah. But- yeah. Cause we're like, we were way up here. We're so used to it that the slowing down almost feels boring. And I'm get, you know, we got to get comfortable with boring until it becomes your new norm. And then it's, then you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's get boring until it's your new norm. Then you're there. Yeah. Make it your new norm and you'll never want to leave. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the that's where I'm trying to get I'm trying to mm-hmm. get where it's like oh I'm just doing the things I want to do <laughs> yeah 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 and not and... busy with work and I th- and I do I notice the whole like people saying that they're just busy and I've tried to say like I'm productive because there's a there's that difference as well there is a difference absolutely because people can oh I'm just so busy but they're not they're, they're going in the same cycles and they're not really doing much and then they 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 cause a lot of the problems that they have and these these are things that you see with these same cycles get brought down generationally because it's what their parents did absolutely and now we're trying to compete with computers in an, in an age of instant gratification mm-hmm. and a 24 seven life. We're, we're, we're really trying to, as humans compete with that. Mm-hmm. And um, how do we get off of that? You know, like hamster wheel, I guess. That's a great question. And it really does go back to being intentional about getting off the hamster wheel. It's, it's really that. See, it was funny because a long time ago, I heard somebody say, you know, the invention of light bulb was the downfall of society. And I remember thinking, that's kind of silly. (laughs) I like lights, you know, I can read my books, I can stay up, I can do things. And as I started to get into um, understanding more and more, we used to stop and slow down when the sun went down. So we had a natural light that said it's time to rest. And we didn't have choices. You know, this is, you know, but since the light bulb and now we can light up the world, you know, you never have to rest. So because we're always light, we have the ability to perceive that we could just keep going and going and going. So we have to recognize that because now we're using, not using the natural sun to teach when to, to work and when to rest, I have to be intentional about creating that in an environment that is, you know, um, structured so differently now because we can. Yeah. And I, I think that also leads to self-discipline too. Yeah. It's having the discipline to just, I'm not going to work after this time. I'm not doing this. I'm, you know, going to shut it off. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and the no, discipline that... comes with the value. If I value mm-hmm. the reason I'm doing this, then I'm more likely to be disciplined to do it. Oh, so yes. we really have to get connected to what is it and the why. You know, Simon Sinek says often, start with why, right? What is it 
that I'm doing? Why am I doing this? Or why am I not doing this? And do I need to take a look at that? Why? So I can get really connected to the value of it. Then I'm likely to take action and make changes. Question and that's it. where so many people go wrong with their lives and they end up having these midlife crises. I've realized it because they live their lives for other people based off of egoic wants and needs and not really what their souls want and need. And yes. then we're, we're now having that extra pressure, especially now, let's say you had one of those parents that wanted you to perform and wanted you to have heirs and told you everything that you needed to do. Um, and now you're doing all of those things and you're still not happy or satisfied. And Absolutely. all you want to do is put blame on other people, but, but it's a hard time to look in the dirty mirror too. And it's, but there's a time that you like have to make that change if you really want what this life has to offer, I feel like. Well, you know, that's a good point too. When you have parents who kind of dictate or feel like this is what's best for their kids. Mm -hmm. And I want to preface this with parents are trying really to love their kids and do what's best. So this, I'm not, it's just not to demonize parents, but what we want to do is allow them to see the potentials of what they could be or where they could go or what they could do, but then give them the freedom to decide what that is. Because when we start putting ideas on our kids and not really hear from them in the depth of their soul, what are they really drawn to do? Where do they feel like they fit in the world? If we don't listen to that, then they'll be guided by doing something they think they should be doing to please parents and please society and then become exhausted because they haven't really, they were really not resonating with that particular career or idea or life because nobody stopped to ask them. And that's important. We need to teach our kids how to listen to their deepest intuition of who they are and then be guided by that, follow that. Um, I actually went back to school later in life because of this exact reason. Um, I was guided to go into business and I'm good in business. I'm you know, a strong business person and I have a business mind. And um, I did that for a, a long time, but mid probably it was around in my 40s as I went back to school to become a counselor and now coach because I wanted to do that right out of high school and I got talked out of it. And for well-meaning guidance, you know, right. it's not that this was meant to be, you know, uh, a, to be a bad thing, but I was more pushed into this is really where you belong and what fits better for you. And I, and of course, as a young person, I'm like, well, okay, you know, they know better than I do. I'm, you know, and it made sense. Um, but once I quit and did what I did, best decision I ever made, because now I'm following my true connection to what I think I'm meant to do in the world. When we teach kids to do that, we'll have a better world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My mom always used to tell us like, do what makes you happy. And I didn't equate happiness to a good quality of life mm. financially. I did not equate the two as a younger person. Oh, okay. And um, because I just, I felt like you had to like have a certain job to have enough money to really be happy. I was like, I, I would always say, you know, I'll do what I want but I have to make money first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that I could do what I want and make money. 
Yeah. I'm so happy I figured that message. out a lot faster. But I feel like a lot of people are stirred into that direction, uh, mostly based off of the whole money thing. Yeah. Our whole society has a lot of um, money issues mm-hmm. and we have to detach the emotion from it. It's just a resource. Mm-hmm. Money is just a resource, just like friends, connections, uh, you know, any resource that we have, it's just another component of that. And we've elevated it to such a status that it's so important that we're actually diminishing other resources in the process. Yes. Yeah. So we need to balance the view of it. It's good. Money is good and we need it, but it's not the end all be all. It's just another resource. Yeah. And it took, it took a while to get to the point that it's like, it was just like that. Yeah. Just, but, but I'm so happy I did because, you know, yeah. it, it yeah. makes things so much better, but, um, but it's a common thing that you're mentioning. Cause it is a strong message out there. I mean, someone else told me, you know, you can talk about sex before you can talk about money. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, and especially if certain people brought up like, oh, well, I don't discuss that or I don't discuss this. And now like back to the whole social media thing. We live in a world where everybody is like showing their highlight reels. Yeah. There are people really struggling right now during this time during COVID still. That's why the the, the um, suicide rates are up and everything like that. Like, I think that's just another thing that we don't take into account, especially mm-hmm. when we, as parents, like I'm not one, but I don't think that they realize as much the money mindset things that they put on their own children. Mm-hmm. Well, very often these habits are very unconscious mm-hmm. and they are unconscious until we become consciously aware you know, cause I can't change a habit or a way of thinking until I realize that's actually what I'm doing. Cause I think you mentioned earlier money, you know, you kind of had to, to uh, make a different conscious awareness to money and work. And once you brought the two together, it made you see it completely differently. So we will teach our kids what we know. And this is stuff yeah. that gets passed down for generations, you know, in our family tree. Um, so it is about being aware and then intentional. Once you're aware of what's happening and then intentional about the steps you want to take from it, then it becomes your life changes. It's very life changing. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm so happy I'm having this conversation now because now I'm going to think about all of the other things that I want to, that I don't know I do. And they're going to show me when they like are toddlers. I know my future kids are going to show me all the things I don't intentionally do. (laughs) pop up on them. Yes. You have to be prepared for that because your kids will bring up everything you do and, and, and see it as a gift to you to heal and connect and become just more connected to yourself when your kids point those things out, because it really is a gift. That is so beautiful. And I'm going to remember that for like the rest of my life. No, I'm going to like, whenever I'm feeling really bad. Yeah as a parent, like stressful, because I'm, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, <laughs> like parents, especially with little kids, especially right now, um, you I have a lot of it out. friends that are parents though. And with the inline, like online school and in-person school, the, you know, just younger kids in general, and just the, the need for flexibility in your schedule yeah. when you're a parent. Or if you're a single parent, or if your, your significant other is deployed or, you know, it, it just, 
these are all things that could happen to me in the future. I could, my husband could be deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just hear what my friends are going through and I'm like, oh man, I guess God's preparing me to be really strong. But I know, cause I know that there's going to be hard times, but I'll be able to remember that this is just a gift that they're giving me to show me more about myself and I can get to know and become a better person. Everything you go through is really a part of that. It's a part of, if we get bitter about it and don't like what we see, we're going to stay stuck in it until we learn mm-hmm. because the learning lesson, we can't get to the next lesson until we figure that one out first. So that's just where we'll be stuck. So the goal is to see it. I remember when my daughter, I'm a business person. I'm a, you know, a go-getter. I'm always doing stuff, very focused in career. And I've been doing this my whole life. Um, And I remember my daughter came up to me. She was probably about seven or eight and she's telling me something and I'm half not listening to her because I was busy doing some other things. And she stopped dead in her tracks and said, mom, you're not listening to me. You're just going, "Uh uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh, uh-huh. Like that and literally said to me, you're not listening to me, mom. And I stopped immediately and I looked at her and I said, honey, you are so right. I'm distracted. And I said, so why don't you do me a favor? give me five minutes to finish. And I promise I'll give you my undivided attention. And then she went, okay, and walked away. And I went back to her later. Now that could have easily gone many different ways, but she helped me see I really wasn't giving her attention and she needed me. So it's, it's a wonderful thing when our kids teach us that. I thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) So I want to know, last question, I want to know a little bit more about your business and your clients. Oh, well, I started out as a counselor and that's what I went back to school to do. And as I grew as a counselor and in my skills and also in my awareness of what really women need, um, I started to branch out more into coaching because I'd like to go beyond the counseling um, area and to really start doing some programs. I really enjoy uh, doing a lot of group work. I do a lot of social media um, to give content and share just on the issues of relationships because everything is about relationships. And the one of the things that I wanted to see was I want people to not have to come back to me all the time. Yeah. You know, the goal is for them that should not be a revolving door And I started to question, how are we really helping people heal? And is this truly working? And I felt I started to not get in alignment with the approach. And so I started to become more of a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit, and connected to vibration. You talked vibration earlier. And once I did that, everything changed. And I see a huge difference in their lives. And so I'm continuing to move forward in that direction. I absolutely love that. I'm a very, I'm very similar coach as you when it comes to your heart, because your goal is healing. And I'm also more of, I realized I'm more of a holistic approach too, because there's just so many things that are contribute to your overall success. And we shouldn't ignore those, you know, exercise, you know, being, and you mentioned that before too, um, and relationships, relationships are huge. Those People take for granted the people that they have in their lives. But if you have the friends that will, and, and your friendships are so important. Like, I feel like your friendships are the most important relationships that you can have next to your family. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, because it's where do where do you belong? So, belonging is so important and we need to know where we belong, and especially as women. We need a tribe. We really yes. need each other and we're too isolated as women. And that's why we're hurting so much. Yes. Yes. And and just not being able to be like if you don't have people you can be your authentic self around. It's so crushing. So I love I love that you do that. Like and and you just because I have this whole big thing against big pharma because I feel like they just keep wanting to make money off of people being sick. And it's nice to know that you're a coach that wants people to actually heal and you just yeah. want to be in their lives for a short, certain amount of time to help them get to that spot. And I think that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I believe, I, I do believe that there are many ways that we can heal and we do not need medication. I'm not anti-meds. But I do believe that the body, the mind, the spirit has the impulse to heal if we just give it the right nurturing. And that's what I like to see happen and help women figure out. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming You're on welcome. and talking this is with fun. me. We had, you know, I, we dropped some bombs in here. There's a <laughs> lot of different, really informative things that we talked about that Hopefully the listeners, you guys, you know, it didn't go too far over your head. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.